0: Hey everyone. This is Becoming a Bible Nerd. I'm Carrie Hunt, and I'm so glad that you are joining us. We believe this ancient Eastern text was never meant to study alone, so we choose to do it in community. We will take one book a semester, one chapter a week, and really dig in to understand the context and the culture that the book was written in so that we can better apply what God was saying to our lives. Our goal is to equip you and your community to fall more in love with Jesus because you have fallen in love with his word. This season, we are going through the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And today's episode is 1st John, Chapter 4. Let's recap. Well, before we get started on this chapter, and it really truly is a recapping of a lot of things that John has said, um, I am taking a minute to share with you how you can support our ministry. We are a listener-supported Ministry, you can go to becomingabiblenerd.com and click on the giving tab, and you can choose to give a one time gift or give monthly. Um, And that helps us get out material every single week. But with that said, I um, find it super awkward to um, talk about money. And so I've decided this semester that every single week, whenever I ask for your support, I will also highlight another great local nonprofit in the area to give to. And so this week is one that's near and dear to my heart. It's called Be the Need. Um, it's actually, um, a family run nonprofit. It's, um, newly's brother and my sister-in-law and through be the need, they provide a hot daily meal to the children in a slum in Kenya called Soweto. They go there twice a year. They usually spend their entire summer there and the, many of the kids there, even if they're in a home They are not having the proper nutrition. And so they have teamed up with some other local organizations that will cook and provide a hot meal for these kids every single day. And they, we live in a small community and this, like I said, is a family run ministry. And so they really, really, really rely on support and your support will help feed children. That's something near and dear to God's heart all the way across the world. So, um check them out. They're called Be the Need. Okay, let's get started today. So, chapter 4, moving right along. We only have one more chapter left, which my team met Um, and discuss today. So um, are you loving this? I'm absolutely loving this book. There's a lot that has been challenging. It's simple, um, practical things, but also very challenging to live out. But John starts this chapter by saying, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether They are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So you have to ask yourself today, who is Jesus? And the answer has to be fully god fully man. He was the son of God. He was born human his entire life. He lived on this earth. He died. He rose again. And through him, we receive salvation. And John is hitting this hard. Every single chapter, he talks about it. It's, That's the simplicity of the gospel, that the gospel is that God sent his son Jesus to walk in the flesh among us as a human to take on the sin of the world. And through his death, burial and resurrection, we have that eternal life. Our sins have been forgiven and we are made right in the eyes of God and we get to spend eternity with him. That's as simple as it gets, but human kind comes in and complicates things. So John is warning the church that the Holy Spirit isn't the only spirit manifested in this world. He's going to talk about this over the next two chapters and he remember he's addressing those that are in the church. So he's warning believers in the church and uh, um, these believers, let's see, Um these believers were being deceived by different people coming into the church and giving a false account. In fact, it was very popular of this day to teach that Jesus didn't come into a real body. They that um they were denying his humanity where today I feel like we see more groups that are denying his um his Oh, what's the word denying his divinity that's the word I'm looking for divinity where in John's day they were denying his humanity today divine his divinity it doesn't matter here nor there if both of those things are true that is a false gospel he was fully God fully man he came lived as a man on this earth and um, if there is anything contrary to that, that is the spirit of the Antichrist that is at work already in this world but will culminate into a political economic figure that the world is going to love and he's going to deceive even the elect. The Bible warns us. And so John, even back then is warning. Now notice um, this, that John didn't say that every spirit that denies Jesus is of the Antichrist. He said every spirit that doesn't confess Jesus. There's a difference there. There's going to be a lot of thoughts in this world that Jesus was a good man and he did some good things, but they aren't confessing him as the only way. And so that's how Satan works. He wants to get as close to the truth as he can and then just twist it just enough to where people don't notice. David Gusick says that true prophecy and true teaching will present a true Jesus. There's many false teachings, false prophets in this world, but true prophecy True teaching will present a true jesus and in john 's um, oh i 'm getting ahead of myself getting ahead of myself in this region they had the people were struggling to trust the very ones that had walked with Jesus for three years um, John and his his follower and his fellow disciples they literally lived with Jesus. I can't imagine the hours of teaching that they heard, um, things that he talked about about the end times, but yet they were believing false prophets, which is totally crazy. And anything other than the Jesus of the Bible. Anything other than the Jesus in the Holy Bible, not a prophet's book that that is going to be elevated above the Bible. Anything other than the Jesus of the Bible is idolatry. It's a false God. It's a substitute, and John labels it the Antichrist. Enduring word says that we can love. Listen to this. I want you to really listen. We can love, we can pray to, and we can know a false, made-up Jesus, and he cannot And will not save you. So, how do we know? How do we know that we are worshiping the one true God and and the true Jesus? We have to get into the word ourselves. And this made me think in this section. There was um, a couple of years ago that General Flynn, who is a beloved um, figure in America, patriots love him, and he was at a church, at a church conference, and speaking, and he led the congregation in a unified prayer, you know, whenever you say repeat after me, don't ever do that unless it is your pastor, your leader, somebody that you follow, that you've heard, and that you trust. Because when I saw this, you know, there was a reel showing, you know, General Flynn leading a prayer. Immediately, there were certain words that just didn't set right in my spirit. Um, He used language like the seven rays of light and the archangels. Yes, archangels—that's a biblical word, but that's just—it was a strange, um, strange wording for a prayer. He also said, "In the name of your legions of angels," and I was just curious because it's like this—something's not setting right. This is weird, and all these people are just repeating, just blindly repeating, and I have all these radars going off, and um, so it didn't take long to discover. That this is language found in occult books. And in fact, the prayer that he prayed was verbatim from a woman named Elizabeth Clark Priest, who was a known occultist and um, dealt with theosophy, which basically Lucifer is the god of theosophy. Theosophy, that's hard to say. And so here are these people. And if you listen to the rest of the prayer, it's all great language. And you could be trucking with it, you know, like tracking, trucking, tracking with it. Um, you can um, be in full agreement with it, but there were just those those few buzzwords that, that set my alarm bells off. And here everyone is praying this prayer that is for a Lucifer. Um, so I want you to be careful that just because somebody is a guest in your church, just because somebody is known and and popular among uh, politics or Hollywood or any of that does not, and because they're praying to God does not mean that they are worshiping the same God as you and I. So, we got to be careful about this. John warns about it, and we see it even today. So, in verse four, he says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. I love how, again, that grandfather is just encouraging them hey, remember whose you are. You belong to God because the one who is in you is greater than the one in the world. Now, this is a verse that my dad probably the second verse my dad had us memorize. First one being John three sixteen, but um, he would make us repeat after him. Greater is me, is he who is in me than he that is in the world. So anytime that you have fear, or anxiety, or uncertainty, just quote this verse to yourself because he truly is he is in he resides in us the holy spirit resides in us and he is greater than any power and principality in this world in fact um a lot of people think the opposite of god is satan and that is not that's not true they're not it's not they're not on the same playing field um satan is an enemy that that seeks to kill steal, and destroy but he is not opposite of god he doesn't have that kind of power um, so I do want to encourage you that the one that we serve is an overcomer. He's victorious, and he is he is the creator of all things, and he will overcome. So know who your dad is and stand in assurance. Um, the Antichrist teaching will appeal to the world. It's going to appeal to the world. In fact, it says they are from the world and therefore... Oh, yeah, verse 5. They are from the world and therefore speak from the point of view of the world and the world listens to them. So this Antichrist spirit and teaching will appeal to the world because it's from the world. God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. The, the kingdom of man is one way and the kingdom of God is something else. And while this antichrist figure rises up, he is going to say things that make sense to those that aren't in the word because our natural man reasons like the world reasons. We have a flawed um, sin nature. And so we are going to logically things through a certain way and the antichrist spirit appeals to that it will tickle our ears it will sound good it will be a false peace and we have to be in the word to recognize that hey there's something going on here um i love um miss judy is in my small group You've ha- she's been a guest on here and um she was talking about um not being afraid but being warned and aware Don't be afraid of this because he who is in us is greater than the world. Just be warned and be aware. Be on the lookout. Then he shifts. John shifts from talking about false teachers back to loving one another. We've talked about this and we're going to continue talking about this because evidently this is something that the early church struggled with and I think that we probably haven't aced this either. And so what does John do? He just keeps bringing it up. In verse 7 he says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Like they're the only way you have the capacity to love truly is because you have been born of God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. No pagan god did this. You know, there are so many gods that they are worshiping in this day and age, but none of them have the story of sending their son to, to die in place of humanity. This is the only story of God sending salvation through his son. Um, this this idea that God is love is a foundational tenet of the Old Testament. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God zealously loves his children. Um, in fact, in Exodus 26, it made me think of that verse where it says, God shows love to a thousand generations of those who turn to faith in him for a thousand generations if you turn your faith towards him he will shine his light and his and his zealous love on a thousand generations it also reminded me of what love is we got to think about what love is it's agape love it's this love that is going to give but doesn't really have expectation to receive unconditionally um, and it made me think of 1 Corinthians 13, where there's a list of what love looks like. And remember, it was the greatest gift. God said that you can speak eloquently. You can prophesy. You can speak in tongues like angels. But if you don't have love, then it's just a sounding gong. It, it's it's just a, a horrible noise to his ears. And he tells us what love looks like. It's patient. It's kind. It's not jealous. You were going to fist bump and be excited for the person next to you doing things in the kingdom. It doesn't boast. It doesn't say, look at me, this is how I'm doing things. No, it points to God. Love points to God. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrong. That's one that's difficult for me. It it doesn't rejoice in injustice. In fact, it goes on to say that love never fails. In verse 10, it says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He loved us first a lot of times because in human nature, when we love someone, um, we have to earn it. Um, and we have to do things so that they'll keep loving us. But John is saying like, you didn't have to do anything. He loved you first before you even knew about love. He loved you first. So, um, he loved you so much that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. We talked about this probably in every single chapter, but I always like bringing these words up, like the atoning sacrifice, because that's heavy language. And we not, might not, you know, we don't use that atoning sacrifice. We don't use that language every day. And so let's stop to talk about it the um the word here is propitiation and propitiation is a two-part act the first part of propitiation or this atoning sacrifice is it appeases the wrath of god god has wrath towards sin and by us accepting his son on the cross our sins go on him and all of God's wrath poured out on Jesus. It also reconciles us because sin separated us from God. Now we're reconciled with God through Jesus. We have to go through Jesus to get right with God. Many religions appease their gods through gifts and sacrifices. You can see it especially in a lot of countries they are going out every day to their little spirit house and they are putting fresh fruit and different um love offerings and they are trying to appease those gods christianity teaches that god provided his own means to be appeased by giving his son as the sacrifice like it's just there's there's nothing else on this earth that even comes close no other religion, no other God worship that comes close to the love, the selfless, crazy love that God displayed. Um, and because, well, let me read verse 11. It says, Dear friends, since. God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We've got to give that love away. We've got to pay it forward. We received this beautiful, unconditional love from God, and he wants us to pay it forward. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives on us, and his love is made complete in us. So in other words, no one's ever seen God, but if you love well, people will get glimpses of God here on earth. In fact, we are image bearers. Since God is spirit and we are human, People can get glimpses of who God is through us loving and loving well. Verse 13 says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be savior of the world. So he's saying, trust me, we have seen and we're given testimony on countless um, eyewitnesses that, that this is true that god sent his son to be the savior of the world if anyone acknowledges that jesus is the son of god and god lives in him that and they in god and so we know and rely on the love god has for us he goes on to say god is love and whoever lives in love lives in god and god in them for john it means to believe in the crucified christ for salvation honoring his commands and keeping his promises. That is how we believe in Jesus. We go and we search scripture. We abide with him. And so we get to know him and his heart. And in, in doing so, he starts transforming our heart. And now his desires become our desires. And we we follow and obey. It's not a, can I see the list of rules? Okay, I'm going to check those off. No, we are so in love with God that we want to obey. And our heart actually is transformed. And we start Loving and longing for the things that he loves and longs for. He goes on to say that this love is perfected among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. No one fears, no one who fears is not made perfect in love okay so we're talking about this day of judgment again we talk about this a lot and it is something that we are supposed to live with an expectancy of christ's return and that return will follow up by judgment day and that we shouldn't fear it if there is this perfect love who is god and if he's made that love complete in us it makes us um Or it makes me just talking about the Judgment Day and hearing this so much in Scripture makes me wonder what all Jesus talked to Peter, James, and John about. I bet those hours where they snuck away, there was so much about his second coming coming up. Um, But he, he wants us to love others, and in doing so, that is what we will bring before him. On that judgment day, he will put it in the fire. We've talked about this. And if we loved well and selflessly, it will not burn up and we will carry that with us in eternity. So there's nothing to fear. If you allow God's love to do a work in you, then this is going to be something exciting to go before. Now, if we loved ourselves more than others and we ran over others to build our own kingdom and to get our own following and to build our name then those are going to be things that burn up. It's still not a fear of that God's going to turn his back on you if you're a follower and you believe in Jesus and through that belief it has led you to obey his word. It's just going to burn up all the works that you've done and that's going to be unfortunate. Um, Love goes a long way. In fact, the um, first century writers, they knew how far love could go, and they would even write encouraging rulers to rule by love instead of fear. Cicero says this. He wrote that it was far better for rulers to win the people's loyalty with love rather than fear if you wanted to control the people. So this isn't even... Like God's love isn't manipulative, but that's how much power love has that, that Cicero is telling people, Hey, if you rule with the iron fist, people are not going to trust you, but they'll obey. But if you want to control the people, love them well. Let that be a warning of of the Antichrist. Um, Palladius wrote that love produces trust and ruling by fear produces anxiety and compulsion. Love is a powerful thing. Now, some people manipulate it. God's love is pure and perfect. Remember that. Um, In verse 19, he reminds the audience, we love because he first loved us. Again, nothing that you can earn Christ did it we repeat it we just watch it we watch we learn repeat re repeat verse 20 says whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother and sister is a liar for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom we have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen so if you can't even love the people that you do see how can you truly love um, God that you can't see He has commanded us, anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. So this is something that my team has wrestled with because, um, you know, there are people that are brothers and sisters in Christ that, We all have hurts. You know, we've hurt people. They've hurt us. And how do we practically and genuinely love those that hurt us that have no problem with them hurting us? You know, it's easier if they come and they repent and they've been brokenhearted. But there are going to be people that you put faith and hope and trust in that truly hurt you and they can care less. And we are commanded to love them. So what does that look like? Um, The first thing that... um, we need to do whenever we start this journey is we need to confess and repent for any record of wrong or bitterness or unforgiveness that is in our heart we have to admit that remember confession means to come in agreement so god this is sin This is ugly, and you have commanded me to love, and I'm not loving, so I'm calling it what you call it. It's sin, it's evil, it's disgusting. And then ask God to start changing your heart. So Holy Spirit, Lord, please soften my heart. I am walking um, incorrectly, Lord God, and I want to look like you, so help me love like you do. Show me how to love others. And then pray for that person and ask God um to allow them to feel his love. You know, maybe maybe they hurt others because they're hurting too. So they need God lavish your love on my brother that hurt me. I just pray that they experience your peace and your grace and your love and uh, um I just pray a blessing over them. And we're going to talk more next week what what blessing is because a lot of times that that's hard to pray for, right? Like I don't to be blessed, they, you know, but pray a blessing over them and stay tuned next week because it's really interesting. Remember, God's kingdom is upside down. The world says one thing, and God says the complete opposite. Well, our idea, our worldly idea of a blessing, is quite different from a biblical um, viewpoint of a blessing. Now, one of the things that we've talked about, and we we've seen, and we've learned together corporately as a team is that. Um, love is not necessar- Is not a feeling. It, it is an action. And so there's times that we can feel great love for God. Oh, I just love Him, and I had chills when I went to worship, and I threw up my arms. And then we go into this world and we live life on our own, and we don't live according to His word. Well, love is an action. You can say all day long that you love Him, and you can get the goosebumps. So you're thinking you love Him, but if you're not walking in obedience, that's not love the same can be true and the opposite we can feel like we don't like someone we can feel like we're not loving them but if we serve them if we want their best interest then that is love remember love is not a feeling but it is an action and so you know in our own personal private discussions around the table we have talked about people like not talked about people (laughs) that there take a clip of that and say, Oh yeah, Carrie and Bible nerds talk about people. We've discussed not by name, but Hey, situations where, Hey, there's this person in my life and I'm really struggling with. And so we've all kind of challenged and questioned one another, like, what if they were on the side of the road with a flat tire and there's no one around and they didn't have a cell phone? Would you stop? Yes, absolutely, that I would stop. So, okay, maybe your feelings are telling you you don't like this person, but they're you still are having putting their best interest at heart. You know, if they showed up on your doorstep and said, I could care less that I hurt you but my baby is starving yes you're going to clean out your cabinet you're going to give and supply everything that they need so love is an action so that that is something that in our mind we can think that we not love somebody but when when they they are in a time of need if if we have the heart that would meet that need instantly, then we truly do love them. I hope that makes sense. This was a um, really a short chapter because it was recapping false prophets. It was recapping um, what love is. We're going to conclude chapter one next week. No, not chapter one. Uh, John one next week with chapter five. It'll be a little bit longer. Um, I've already found some interesting things that I can't wait to share with you. So I will see you next week. Happy reading.